What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the opportunity to hang out with Gavin Haley over Zoom video. Gavin grew up in Kentucky and he talks about how he got into music. He grew up in the church, was involved in musical theater, but wasn't really a songwriter, didn't really take songwriting too seriously until later in life. He was a huge cyclist, actually a professional cyclist for a majority of his life. When he got to San Francisco, his family moved to San Francisco Bay Area and he started writing songs with his sister at first and they put together a little demo tape, took it down to LA and were trying to you know, meet with managers and, and different people that way. He would do that in between touring with his uh, cycling team. When he ended up giving up cycling is when he moved to Los Angeles and started to pursue music full time. We hear about the success of his record, Long Game, working with Travis Barker on Tati. His recent record, Bike Rides Alone, which he wrote and recorded with his roommate during quarantine. Wrote the whole record, just put it out, him and a guitar. He has a new album called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. With the most recent single, Cliche, we hear all about the new record and how much different it was putting that together versus Bike Rides Alone. You can watch our interview with Gavin on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be awesome if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Gavin Haley. Hey, what's up, man? How are you? What's up, Adam? How are you? I'm great, dude. I love that you have your guitar. It's awesome. I was, I didn't know if you know how it goes with Zoom sometimes. To get in and... Yeah, we're just going to start writing a song together. Did you know that? Wow, I'm ready. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm <kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your life trauma. I'm ready. Uh, oh man. Do you, how much time do you have? Uh, I got about like 45 minutes. Okay. No, I was just, but I meant about my life trauma. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's good to I know. know you, I didn't know if you were going along with it. I was like, damn, he seems pretty serious. Okay. <laughs> no, man, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you again so much. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I was in my last time. It was just a mix up on schedule. So, oh no, no need to apologize. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, this podcast is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about uh, the new record you have coming out and obviously the, the latest song that just, just came out as well. Awesome. I'm excited to be here, man. Awesome. Awesome. So talk to me. Where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in Michigan, but I was raised in Louisville, Kentucky. My dad works for General Motors, so we moved around a lot going up. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we were in Motor City, and then so I was like two years old. My parents relocated to Louisville, and I was there until I was about like 17, so... Um, okay. Obviously, most of your life in Louisville. <laughs> yeah, some people call it the Midwest. You're right there on the Ohio River. So, people who don't really aren't familiar with Kentucky will call it the South, but um, they got the South Southern hospitality there for sure. Nice. What was it like uh, being? I mean, growing up there was it a small uh, town, big town? I mean, Louisville, I would imagine, is pretty big. It was a pretty big town. Um, yeah. I mean, my life was like very. I wouldn't say controlled, but my, I have four sisters and two brothers. My mom homeschooled all of us. Obviously, wow. I'm, I'm the middle child. So it was like five of us really core, core growing up, like all super close. Um, and then we would be heavy in the church, man. Like 
that was pretty much weekends for me was Saturday, Sunday church. And then occasionally like a Wednesday co-op with church or like kids you would hang out with. Uh, but the main thing I would do is like cycling. So Louisville is so beautiful, man, in terms of parks. I have this one park called Cherokee Park and Iroquois Park. I would ride my bike at all the time. Um, yeah. yeah. So that was really like me growing up. I, I spent most of my time in nature. I, I was talking to my friend the other day. I was like, man, like it took a long time for me to get the social aspect down when I moved out here. Cause I realized like growing up, I just spent so much time alone. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a great place to, to do that. Just, are you in LA now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm you usually from, I'm from San Diego, but I moved to Nashville area. So oh, sweet. I, I swapped with you. Uh, yeah. Or South of Nashville. Okay. I love Nashville, man. Cool town. Yeah. So that's the okay. drivers there will like ask you a million questions. <laughs> like, like they'll drop you off where you're going and like ask who's inside the place and stuff. It's crazy. Like, that's funny. Yeah. Was it similar to in Louisville though? I mean, I never Uber. I never Ubered there. Well, I guess Uber, <laughs> but I mean, like it's so close, right? I mean, we're not that far from Kentucky. You know, I think it is a little different. Like, okay. to be honest with you. yeah. All right. I would say I would say Nashville is definitely more of like. Well, I can't I can't speak on it now, but the times I've been, it's like a lot more similar crowd. Like Louisville's pretty diverse. Mm, okay. There's a lot of different people that like come from there and get end up being there. So yeah. Rad. All right. Well, yeah. you said you grew up in church. Uh, weekends in church was that something? You were you in the church? You know, gospel band or I mean, like worship group or anything like that. I started singing in a choir. Like, so I went to the church I went to was called Southeast Christian. It was actually this fucking massive church, dude. Like it's fit 10,000 people church. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then for a little bit, we mm. went to a smaller one, but one of my best friends growing up, he had this youth group that I would go. It was like, it was just like, you know, I was like 14. It was a great way to meet girls type thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> um, and we would go together on like Wednesday nights. I want to say or Thursday nights and they offered like choir. And so I started doing that. Just didn't even really think about it. I always loved music. And I, I really fell in love with singing. I was like, I don't I don't know if I was like 12, 13, 14, it was like middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that became like a pretty big passion. So then I, I became more serious about like when I was at church, like trying to get in touch with the musicians and hanging out with them. Um, yeah. And then I picked up guitar and, and it was always like, I knew I loved it, but it was on the back burner because athletics got pretty serious at the same time. Like when I was 16. Oh, what sport did uh, you play? I was a cyclist. Yeah. Oh yeah. You but, said that, but that, that, but you did it as a sport. Yeah. Since I was homeschooled, like we didn't really oh. like, play ball in six sports. Right. So cycling, like it's an individual sport or you can have like a team that's a club, like, cause no schools really do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I got pretty good at it. Like when I was like 15 and then when I was 16, I got like really good. And I was competing all over the country. Um, and then I got picked up by the national team that took me over to Europe, like when I was like 16 years old. Wow. Like Tour de France type cycling or uh, like what? Like, like, distance? Cycling. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's road cycling. And I did that until I was about 16. But then I, the one I specialized was called cyclocross. It's like okay. a mix of road and mountain bike. If you could like imagine that. So oh, you're, on, wow. you're on like a road bike, but with knobby tires. But I do no have, way. have done like the tour and stuff. So. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. I had a roommate uh, in college that was way into cycling and he went from, I live in San Diego. He went all the way down to the Mexican border wow. and, and then he went from the border all the way up to Canada. People do that, man. There's like an actual route that 
Yeah. Yeah. I was like, dude, I'm like, yeah, that was when like, he's like, okay, like our lease was ending and he's like, all right, I'm just going to do this bike thing. And I'm like, oh my God, like that's insane. He would ride like a hundred miles every week or every weekend. Yeah. It's like, like, it's it's insane. Were you, so imagine you do similar rides like that. Yeah. Distance wise, like that would definitely be, there's like two parts to the season. Like that's called base training. So before you're racing, um, you'll do, yeah. Weekends will be 80, hundred miles. Like you so see, you spend like five, six hours on the bike. And then when you're in the season, you're racing every weekend. So it's like, you build up this big base of, um, like cardio and you really have your legs under you and you try and maintain it after that. So you won't do too many huge rods, but yeah, it's like the coaching with it is pretty, uh, like detailed, like, yeah, you yeah, really disciplined. Yeah. It's pretty wild, man. I, like I said, like, so when I came out to LA, I feel like, I mean, I was homeschooled. I wouldn't say I was socially awkward, but like sports, like I definitely just had a different life growing up. It was so one track, like, this is what I'm going to do. And man, I didn't have a sip of alcohol until like I came out here. Like I really, I was so focused on what I wanted to do. And that was cycling. And uh, it kind of ended pretty abruptly, but yeah, man, it was, it was a great way to grow up. I, I don't really have any regrets really with, with any of the sports. Like it was such a cool way to see the world. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're touring essentially uh, doing that before yeah. you're touring as an, a musician. That's crazy. And like with touring, what's, what's tough is like, I've done on a few tours. You really don't get to see where you're going. Right. Like you right. get to the place, you play the show, go out. It's like already late, go to sleep. You wake up, you drive to the next place. Like with cycling, it was cool. Cause I'd be in play like one place for months at a time, like pretty much the entirety of the winter. So like I'd be based with like a host family and I, you mean you got to train out there. So you get to know, I always say cycling is like the best speed to get to know somewhere because cars are too fast. Walking's too slow. But when you're on a bike, you really get to like see things and yeah, you get to really observe where you're at. Yeah. It was, it was a great time, bro. Your skin is popping. You either got some type of light. You look, (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, I do have a light here and one, a little one up there, but thank you. I'm I'm old too. That makes me feel good. I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, well, so when you get to LA, actually, I'm curious real quick. So you started singing and like play, you said playing guitar around like 14 years old, 13, 14, a little later on, but yeah. I started singing like 14. I picked up the guitar, I'd say like 15, 16. Yeah. Okay. And like was guitar, it like three chords type thing? Well, this one really good at it. Didn't right. But were you playing to like, you know, accompany your voice or you're playing to write songs? Like, how did it start? To be completely transparent with you, I was like a diehard fan of Justin Bieber. And okay. Like, I, yeah, like most of the performances he was doing at a time that was really when he was just taking off was like, radio shows with just an acoustic guitar or like intimate acoustic shows. And I was like, damn, like every guy my age hated the hell out of this kid. And I was like, this guy's amazing, man. His voice right? is so good. And I really like felt connected to his songs for some reason. And so I picked up a guitar cause I wanted to learn how to play those songs. I mean, I always, I always joke around like coming from the upbringing I do, I really am not well-versed in the history of music. Like I, I get really insecure about this actually. Cause you know, I feel like when, pe- when artists out here get asked like what their idols are, they could name you like the entirety of the 70s and 60s. And like that, I don't have that, you know, like I'm really mm-hmm. getting that now. But like growing up, I, I listened to the Christian radio station mm-hmm. and occasionally got to turn on the hits, you know. So that was like like Coldplay, like all the stuff that was hot when I was growing up is what I was listening to. So, yeah, I really just grew up trying to learn how to play those songs. And 
yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when did you? So that's cool, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's awesome that you were like, yeah, everyone hated on Justin Bieber, but I'm like that guy. He's he's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, People were obviously resonating with what he was doing. He was like the biggest thing. He still is. I mean, yeah. like the biggest thing on the planet. If I ever if I ever meet the dude, I'm gonna tell him there was like actually. Like the first talent show I ever did, I'm pretty sure I played one time. Or his song "One Less Lonely Girl," I definitely played. For sure. Did you really? When yeah. when when did you do that? You did a talent show though, even when you're homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. So we found one like that was part of just like the city. Um, it was like actually tied to like this country club type thing. I was I was getting creative with it because I knew I wanted to do it, but I didn't know. I was uber confident growing up. Like when I look back and look at videos, I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing, dude? <laughs> but we, we found ways to get some performances in. And like, I started playing a couple weddings, um, stuff like that. It was like never shows, but just places I could hop onto a stage. Mm-hmm. When did you get like some validation that you were pretty good at it? Like it was your family supportive or like your brothers and sisters were like, oh, you're really good at this. Or were they like, oh man, like making fun of you? I mean, I don't know. My older sisters were really supportive. My okay. older brother, he he would he just wanted me to shut the hell up. We shared the same room. <laughs> we shared the same room. And like you you know how it is when you catch like that uh I wouldn't like the fever for something new, it's just you want to do it all the time. Right. But when I like fell in love with music, it was like it was kind of my therapy for athletics, you know. It was like my mm-hmm. off time, I'm just playing music. Um I was like, I would say 16, 17. I started getting a bit older. I was spending more time in Europe. At that time, my parents located to Northern California. So like my off time would be there. And I met some new friends. And my older sister was like, she's the one who kind of really got me into music outside of the church. Cause she, she, she was actually in like the worship team and she played keys and she sang. And uh, we wrote my first song together. And she's like, you know, this isn't half bad. Like, you really are passionate about this. Like, you take the same drive from athletics. We can make it. And it was just at the time that my parents had located to Northern California. And before, like, being in Louisville, the reason I did athletics is, like, when I was growing up there, it's weird. It's going to be kind of a long answer, but sorry. No, this is what I love. I, I want to hear the long answer. I don't need the... <laughs> I need the cliff notes. I want the whole thing. <laughs> when I, when I grew up in Louisville, I felt kind of trapped there. You know, it was like people I grew up, grew up with. I mean, I'm, I'm 25 now. They're already married and have children, you know, mm-hmm. and that was like kind of, you grow up there, you go to school, you get a good job, you get married, you have kids. And to me, that was like a really scary feeling. The idea of just living your whole life where you come from. And so with music, I didn't ever think that it was a possibility to like, get out to the West coast and make that a thing for myself. Um, with athletics, I, it, it was like what I did from the beginning. So I knew like I knew people had done it. And so for me, that was my way out. But when my parents went to Northern California, I was like, Oh, there's six hours from the capital of like this industry. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I took a few trips down there. We burned some CDs. We sent out like physical submissions to like every agency like every like management company we could find. And I'm so embarrassed. Like I've probably said the stupidest shit. Like that's rad though. I mean, yeah, we, get, we, we, we got like three or four responses and we went in and we had these meetings and like ended up started working with this company. Um, I even have one from like a bigger agency, like CAA, like sent my shit back and they're like, thanks for the consideration. (laughs) Like I was just like looking back on it now, it's hilarious, but I just started taking it more seriously. Then like my friends were like, yo, do it. I started doing covers and kind of having like a local support group. And 
something ended up happening with my cycling career. I don't talk about it too much. I just wasn't able to do the training I needed to do. Like my health was kind of in a really sensitive place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just went for it, man. When I was 19, I found a room to rent in LA and it was like, I'm not going to go to college just because you're supposed to go to college. I feel like you got to have a plan, whatever you do. And that wasn't the route mm-hmm. for me. So I just came here and that's, Oh my gosh. Well, not to, to pry at the, the cycling story, but I'm curious, you were writing songs with your sister submitting them to agencies, but were you also at the same time, were you still cycling? Yeah, it was okay. a really tough man. Like I hate living with regrets and that is one of my regrets. Like anything I do, I want to do it a hundred percent. And like my last year as a cyclist was my official first year as a professional. Um, I signed pro at 18. Right? Wow. Just like literally on my 18th birthday, I want to say like the month before that. And I knew in my head that I wanted to do music, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and athletics is something like you have to like, not physically, but you like have to want to kill people. Like when you start, like you have to, you want to, you have to know you're the shit. You have to like, that has to be your main focus. Like Muhammad Ali was my idol growing up. And like, that's really the mentality you have to have because you have hundreds of people doing the same training as you. Mm-hmm. You want to separate yourself. It's like, how much can you devote yourself to the craft? And in the back of my mind, it was like, I'm going to see this year out. I'm going to try and have a good year. And then I'm going to do music. And at the same time, I got pretty sick. Like my immune system was just not able to handle the amount of training I was doing, which was like 25 to 30 hours of riding a week. And then other stuff just shutting so down. Yeah. Um, it was a really shitty time, man. And I was hurt all year, fin- didn't finish a lot of races and just was able to have like one decent race at the national championship. Didn't make the world selection to go race and represent the States for that. So that was depressing. And it was kind of all this perfect storm to just make a transition into music. Mm-hmm. But well, um, we're glad you did, dude. I mean, you're doing the songs you write are insanely good. I mean, you just it's so talented. And I can't sure. imagine, I mean, how good you are at music. I mean, to the fact that you were that great at at cycling as well. It's like to me, that's just so crazy. I mean, but it makes sense. Obviously, you put a lot of effort and time into what you do. Um, so once the cycling thing kind of ended, did you move to LA right after that? Or were you still working with your sister at all? Or and are you still like writing with her at all? Yeah, so we 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 jam out together. Uh, she's she's like one of my best friends. I'm really my siblings are honestly all my best friends. I'm so lucky to have like my blood family be very close and supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, very thankful for that. Um, so 2016, I like announced that I was quitting or whatever you want to call it, retiring. I don't think you can retire at 19. That's not much of a career. <laughs> well, you make it to the pro level, you can. <laughs> you know. Like I'm out. You know, it was kind of a shock to uh, like my coach and everyone who'd been in my corner for a while. Uh-huh. And that was in like March. And I think by July, I moved, I moved here. So it was, I didn't know anybody here besides like the one manager at the time I was kind of talking with. And I just started playing like a lot of open mics and any house show I could get to. I just was playing. So, yeah, I I still stay in touch with my sister and stuff. We still jam, but she's on her own journey right now and stuff. And Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So you uh, obviously you're writing songs with your sister and then you what just continued writing as you were doing cycling. It was kind of not as intense, I would imagine. Yeah, no, I, I dove into it like it was more of a I didn't really write. I, I wrote my first song with her, but I didn't really write my own song for myself until I moved here. It was oh. a song called Fades Away. 
um, that I put out. I don't even think it's on major streaming platforms. It's on YouTube and stuff. It's on SoundCloud and stuff like that. Um, and I, that's really when I dove in. But during like when I was in Europe and stuff, it wasn't full songs as much as I was just journaling a lot. I had like a blog for myself that I would write like story recaps. I've always loved telling stories. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm really passionate about. And so it kind of just transferred over. Like that's something I, I, when I moved here, I just dove completely in any and all studios I could get to and be a part of. Like I was just there. That was like the first two years. It didn't matter what time it was. I had like a day job too, but if you I had to be up at six, if someone invited me to the studio at 2am, like I'd be there. Um, yeah, wow. I just like, I immersed myself around people who are really good at this and I've been doing it for a long time and kind of rubbed off, you know? That must've been hard though. I mean, like you said, you were homeschooled and now you're going to like one of the biggest cities in the whole country and yeah. you gotta, how do you like even begin to meet people? Are you just trying to go out to any club bar venue that you can to try to, to yeah. like, what network? I was, I was like 19 at the time. So I, I, I don't even remember if I had a fake. I'm pretty sure my, yeah, I think I might have had a fake idea. <laughs> but I, it was like, I got really, it was one of those things where I'm not really a religious person anymore, but I just felt guided. Like I got so lucky in certain situations, just meeting people. And like, I'd be at a coffee shop and just started talking to somebody and they'd invite me to a show. And like that same venue that I went and watched a show two years later would be the reason I got like a record deal. You know, like it's like crazy how I think if you just imagine that things are going to work out for you and you treat people right, things happen, you know? Mm-hmm. I will say though, it was pretty awkward. Like it's just a different world out here, man. Like I have conversations with my friends about this all the time. Like people are really closed off to genuine kindness sometimes out here. Like it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, yeah. How people- I, dude, I'm, yeah, I'm from Southern California. I know what you're saying. Like, I mean, yeah. look, it's kind of more like, what can you do for me? Exactly. So I came out here with like, how are you doing? Like opening doors for people. And people are like, what the fuck do you want from me, bro? Why are you- <laughs> right. you know? And so that, that really made me kind of the first two years out here were some of the worst years I've ever had in terms of mental health, just because I was like so confused and I felt pressure to be somebody I wasn't too, you know, mm-hmm. like I was kind of said earlier to you how people have really been doing this since they're like four and five years old. That's, that's like really intimidating, you know, knowing that I'm just a newbie out here who wants to sing when people hear, Oh, you like, you're that acoustic guy. Like there's so many of those people, you know, mm-hmm. and I didn't really, I just, yeah, I didn't have the accolades. I didn't have any of the history or the time and work people have put into this. And I think that that was, I really suffered with identity for a couple mm-hmm. years being out here. Cause you really find identity in what you do. I was an athlete, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I, when that was gone, it's like, Oh, who am I besides a guy who likes music, you know? And I've kind of come to terms with that too. I think that's a special thing, you know, regardless of all the history of who you like to listen to, who you grew up listening to, what you know about jazz, like uh, whatever your music knowledge is like, all of it really is at, at the end of that is somebody who can hear something and feel moved by it. And that's really what I came to terms with for myself. It's like, look, I might not be the best at this or the best at that, but I can hear something and I can make something that makes people feel. And like, mm-hmm. I think that was the turning point of when things started to work out for me here was like, everybody's so worried about how they're perceived here. 
And like, yeah. I stopped caring about that. I'm like, I've probably really turned a lot of people off the wrong way just by being myself, but that's always going to happen. And you can't worry about that, you know, but I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good people in the city at the end of the day. And it's just have good intentions. People will come around. Yeah. Wow. Well, what would you say like the first kind of success moment for you was, I mean, you talked about meeting someone and then you ended up signing a record deal, but like between all of that, like obviously at what moment you, do you, okay, this, I'm just going to be me. And then I'm going to do, you do this thing and then it works. Like what, what was the thing? I put out this song called Fades Away, which is the first song I ever dropped. And it was at the time on like Spotify and stuff. It's not on there anymore. Um, and it, it just kind of, this was before like TikTok and stuff. So okay. it's really interesting to see how that stuff's changed, but I'd never had a song out. And within like 10 days, it had like a hundred thousand plays. And I was like, what the fuck like whoa i was just like this is crazy like a week later it ends up on like viral 50 lists in america like viral in like australia and it was just like looking back at it now like i i believe that when you're supposed to do something you'll have like an instant moment or like not an instant just like enough to keep you going you know it was just really confirmation for me like oh i'm supposed to be doing this and right that started some conversations with people my next like 10 songs completely flopped, but like, it was just enough to make me keep going. But the one that, yeah. The one that kicks off, it's like, okay, this is something like, obviously I can, I can do this, right. Even yeah. for the next five, 10 flop, it, you did it once. You could yeah, obviously you re- it redo that. You could do it again. Yeah. So that happened and kind of just had some conversations and started playing a lot of house shows, especially in Venice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh Yeah. Literally two years after I moved here, I think to the date I signed with Red Bull Records and they've been my family since, man. They've been so, taking such great care of me and they're amazing mm-hmm. over there. And uh, just trying to, the last two years feels like a blur, you know? But, That's crazy. Um, yeah. Like, how did you meet Red Bull? And like, were, was that something that happened where they saw you play or heard your record or like when did it have that conversation begin? Yeah, the manager I had at the time had me in some sessions with, uh, this guy called August DeWaite, who's my brother, amazing friend, one of the most talented writers I know ever. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and I, we started doing songs together. And uh, we sent some of those songs in and the conversation began. They came out and watched me play. And yeah, that's kind of how that went. And it took a while and it was all locked in. And yeah, they, they've been great, man. They support the vision. Like whatever I want to do, they get behind it. So I'm really blessed that situation. That's amazing. And you put out long, long game was like your first record, like full yeah. record, right? Oh yeah. And, like full yeah. EP. yeah. Full, yeah. Full EP. Um, and we put that on 2019. It does amazing. Like tell me about putting that, putting that out in the, you know, kind of the, the success and the buzz of it. And what, what did that lead to? That, so it's really weird. I mean, that came out in fall of 2019 I was on tour with Ash. Mm-hmm. Like really, that was the first time where I was like, kind of experienced a moment of like jadedness like i was like oh i got a little bit of success like the demons start coming out of me you know like you start like feeling yourself a little bit and it, it was really humbling man because the success of that was kind of to be completely honest like put on the back burner because we went into a pandemic three months later right so that's I, where i was gonna i was gonna see how you yeah, how that... I had this project come out that was streaming incredible and i didn't really get the chance to capitalize that on the touring side and it mm-hmm. was really when I look at it now from a removed place, 
it's it really what I needed as a person because 2020 I like learned so much about myself I traveled a lot like I know people weren't really traveling but I I I found safe ways to get places I wanted to go to. And I spent a lot of time out of California, went back to Kentucky for like four months. Mm -hmm. It just was like reconnecting with, like I had a really successful project in terms of like what I, like I put stuff out, but up to that point, that was definitely the most successful thing that had happened. And I was really tired though. I, I feel like I didn't have any substance. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, when you're in the studio every day, you're not, writing about new experiences you can only you know write about so much and then you know need to go experience new things and it was a really great year but at the same time you know i feel like that's still what people know me by it's 2022 and i want my next shit to be bigger than that but you just never know how it's gonna work and that was it was yeah it was like another moment like i just said i put my first song out the rest like after that flopped and then i put that out it's gone well i feel like it's just it's like energy to keep going. It's like, you can do this. It's just another, another, um, yeah. Another reason to keep going. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that must've been pretty devastating though. Right. I mean, you're, you put out this record just really well. You're touring it, yeah. but not really getting the, the full opportunity to do it. Cause this pandemic hits. And then it's like the weight of the world or like basically the industry, everyone's like, what's happening. What, what's going to happen here? Like, at that point, are you just like, okay, I'm not even going to listen to the the noise. I'm just going to try to move forward. Like, how do you even pick up and, and move forward? I mean, I could have done a lot better in 2020, you know, regardless of the same thing happened to everybody, you know, there, mm -hmm. I'm not like unique in the position that I was put in, you know, there are artists that started the pandemic with no fans that are now massive because of like a social media platforms. And I think that's really the main thing is just learning how to, this whole thing made people realize you don't really need to go places. You just need to be creative. Mm -hmm. And I spent, I could have spent 2020 becoming a whiz at TikTok, but I chose to travel and <laughs> reconnect with myself. Yeah. I think in the long run, I have more to say because of that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say I'm devastated just because like it's situational. I didn't really do this to myself, you know? Right. Right. Of course. It happened. And all we can do is try and find the positives with it. Um, of course, if I could go back in time and not have the pandemic happen, yeah, hell yeah. Sure, sure. But I mean, you put another rad record out in 2020, dude, yeah, like went, from all that, right? I love that music, man. Like I, I freaking, and mainly the one I put out in 2021 was like my baby. Like I wrote all the songs in my bedroom and traveling and that record. Oh, Bike Rides Alone? Yeah, Bike Rides Alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thing, like in the streaming world, but to me, like that's what I'm most proud of and it's just funny, like how, like I've realized during this whole time, you could make something in five minutes that could change your life and you could spend months on something that just could do nothing. And that's, that's really the big difference between, I feel the art space and the athletic world. It's like, you have no measure to what, I, I talk about it all the time. You've no measure to what is good, you know? Right. Because something that was received on a bigger scale, does that make it better? I don't know. Some of my favorite songs aren't discovered at all, you know, uh -huh. but that's been the personal journey with the artists. Like just keep it about the music. It's so easy to, to get lost in like the numbers because that's ultimately what companies care about, you know, right. and that's like that's, that's how you get your budgets for the next shit. And that's how, like, if as a business, that's how you keep things moving. But 
I think if you make music with the intention of that, oftentimes, like often more than not, it's not going to do well. You know, it's like, I tell people all the time, you're not a star because you look the best or because you play the best or because you have the most beautiful outfit. You're a star if you can stay here and keep it about the music. And like, that's, that's the most important thing to me. And I'm really proud of myself that I can like be in this place right now. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, not that your record didn't do good. I mean, bike rides alone still stream pretty well. (laughs) You look at it. I mean, um, but like, yeah, it's all subjective, right? I mean, my favorite songs from records or off, uh, off albums, certain albums are nine out of 10, never the, the single or the hit or whatever, which is so interesting because it's just everyone has their own opinion but you know the masses or the 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 corporation whoever put the most money behind a whatever song then that becomes kind of the the most known and and recognized one if you weren't like a fan of an artist you only knew them by what x song or whatever yeah i think that's even more acute today like i and it's not a bad thing. It's just it, the competitive side of me is like, how do I figure this out? Like, what, what, like, what do you got to do? But I find like, I just know because I have a 17 year old brother and a 12 year old sister. Like, people who go to shows, those are like fans. People, those are active listeners. Those are the people that are going to find that deep cut on the album. That's that's their favorite song. But there's not a lot of active listeners in 2022 because there's mm-hmm. like a down popping every week. You know, you don't really have active listeners. You have. I mean, I, I remember showing my brother an artist and I won't say names in like 2000. He's a basketball player. Keep in mind, he's not really much of an artist. I love the hell out of him, but he's a, he's a b-ball player. Okay. Your brother. Yeah. Not my little artist. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> he, um, I showed him an artist in like 2017 or 2018, I want to say. And he's like, nah, this is trash. And then that artist ended up becoming very successful in like 2020. And he, I remember he came in the room one day, he's playing the song. He's like, this shit is so hot. And I'm like, really? You're like, huh? <laughs> That's pretty, you know, it's like people listen to, you know, you why are Crocs huge again in 2022? Like, you know, that blows my mind. Yeah. Like people, people consume things when they see other people consuming things. And so it's really, it's a, I feel like that's becoming more acute in the world. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. It really is. I mean, cause uh, you can have an artist that streams insane on Spotify or whatever. And that doesn't necessarily mean their stuff's going to translate into like hard ticket sales yeah, or somebody. Of- yeah. Right. Or somebody yeah. that's doing awesome on TikTok could have X million followers. And then they put a song out. And they try to push it on their TikTok and then you go to their streaming service platform and it has like 10,000 plays. You're like, how do you have 8 million people that are, you know, following you? And then like, it doesn't trans, it doesn't spill over to the other platform or whatever. So I, nobody knows anything. They just do it. And then <laughs> nobody knows anything, man. Like it literally, it's just like trial and error. It's hilarious. I, I put a video of a piece of plastic on my TikTok the other day. Literally, there's like this stream of water and I put plastic into it and it made this weird noise and I got like 4 million views. I like <laughs> I put my music up there on there for months and get like a couple hundred views. Like nobody knows, dude. It's just, I, all that, that's why I'm saying all that matters to me is the music. Like I, I'm not going to become a dinosaur. I'm going to do every, I'm going to do everything, make sure I'm out there, but you, you got to keep it about your art. Cause I think uh-huh. at the end of the day, even if you fail, you know, like you'll at least be content knowing that you failed your way. Mm-hmm. And like, I love that, that. Like I, 
I'm more and more like trying to be inspired by people that have that mindset. I mean, Kanye gets so much hate, but I watching his documentary made me really inspired because it's like, yo, this person just bet on themselves every step of the way. And regardless if that becomes a toxic thing, like, you know, that you decide your own destiny in a way. Mm-hmm. That's that's something that nobody can take from me. So Yeah, he, he gets all this hate, yet he's like still, you know, household name, one of the biggest artists ever, like headlines. He could headline any festival or, you know, it's just, it's it, that's what blows my mind. Yeah. You know, it's like, all these people, quote unquote, don't like him. Yet you go to his like whatever page, and he has X billion people paying attention to him at any given moment. I I didn't know all of his music. I'm gonna be honest. Like, obviously, I know I know some hits, but because of this documentary, I really dug in. Um, I was just like, wow, my favorite. He keeps it about the vocals. Oh yeah, like unbelievable. Yeah, that's what uh-huh. I'm. There's so many, so many artists I've yet to like really dive into. Like you, you just, you know, hits and stuff, but then you go in and you're like, whoa, like crazy. No, I know. Uh, what is it? Graduation is one of those early ones. That one's such a great record. Yeah. Like it doesn't get it. College dropout. Oh, college dropout. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Or is graduation a record too? Graduation was huge. I think, I think he won a Grammy for that too. I mean, don't quote me, but. But yeah, 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 I want to say, I'm, and then I'm going to get all this hate. Like, oh, how did you not know all these Kanye records? I'm like, okay. Well. <laughs> oh, I'll never like act like my dude. When you ask somebody if like they know an artist and they say, yeah, and then like they don't, that's like the most awkward thing. So I would just tell you, I don't know all this <laughs> shit. <laughs> or that's fun. Yeah. Or somebody's wearing a band t-shirt and then they ask what songs they, what's, oh, your, yeah. what's your favorite song? Uh, oh, I don't, You're like, I, I don't know. That all this at urban outfitters <laughs> oh man that's funny um well tell me about that. I'm, I'm curious just about tati and then i want to move on to your new music um that's you know travis barker what remixes it yeah were you a big uh, blink fan or like and tell me how that even started i mean that's something i know like the hits but not a huge blink fan but i mean i was obviously like that came about later on like after i'd been here for a while so it was like yeah cool for me um my team had like mutual uh people out there can and uh he really liked the song and we we worked on it he sent me a version we had a couple phone calls just getting it straightened out and um it was a really great collaboration he's also like he's like invested at this restaurant that i really love called crossroads it's like this week mm-hmm. spot um at the time it was like i still am really about health like that's like one of my biggest uh what's the word not even I'm passion not passion. passion i know what you're talking about yeah 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 i love it so it was just yeah it was a really uh cool collaboration and um i love that song so he gave it a whole different life i didn't i didn't expect that it could sound like that so yeah because the song was out right and then he, he what did he notice it or it was just like how did that i mean he must have noticed it right yeah like and the we did it with this guy called young pinch you put a sick verse on mm-hmm. um and then, yeah, like my team had mutual people at a scene. We sent the song in and it, it happened. So that's crazy. We made like a very interesting video for it. That was like prime COVID. Like, oh, really? Peak, like everyone in their house. So I was back in Kentucky and they're like, hey, we can't do a video, but like, could you send a bunch of clips of yourself? Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> it's like we put <laughs> together like this pretty fun video. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, t- I want to hear about your, your new record. You have an album, right? The whole album coming out. Yeah, my first full-length project, man. 
It's crazy. Exciting, man. And you put out so much music. I mean, you put a record out in 19, 20, and 21, and now you're a whole project. Try not to. I feel like I'm, I can't, if I, I see artists like not put music out for two or three years and I'm like, I would die, dude. Like, I'm sure I'll do that eventually, but I just have a lot to say. Or like, I'm, well, and a lot of people will hold like that whole record and release it, like sprinkle it out over the course of the next year. You put out like what, one single from the record and it's like, okay, we're going to do the whole thing. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, like the label was, they let me have that one. Like, okay. that was, you know, with the album, that's something a, a really collaborative thing where with producers and, and just making everyone feel involved. Like I really, before I made this album, I had sessions with different producers for a month straight, two months straight, like just literally every day, a different producer. Um, and that was the start of the album for this like cycle. But with bike rides alone, I was just in my bedroom. I just made all those songs. Oh, and really? So, yeah. It was something where I was like, I don't want this to be like a single, 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 single. Like I want people to receive this as I made it. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it was more that 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 project is they're all for me, but like that one was really for me, you know. Like so you recorded that all yourself then? Yeah, with that... my roommate, with my roommate Andy Schmidt. So no way. Yeah. And wow. That, yeah. So with this process, it was different. I this album took like seven, eight months of writing and nine, ten months of recording. Like it literally took the entirety of last year making this album, which was the first time I've done that, you know, just really focused on like certain amount of songs. Um and it's been this process has been so beautiful. Like I'm you have two singles out already. Like I can't mm -hmm. wait for people to hear the rest of it because and I feel like I was able to like mix the world of writing with like this just different like sonical world that I don't even know if that's a word sonical word. I was homeschooled. So like, just like putting it into the school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, my son's homeschooled. So yeah, it's popping now, man. Dude, it, yeah. It's, it is different nowadays, huh? Yeah. It's like, I think it's the, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say any comment, anything on like the educational world, but I think like if, if you have a vision and like my mom, man, she was the, truth bro like she knew what she wanted to do and i'm props to her like i went to real school for one year they sent me to this private school and it wasn't my thing man like i to be honest the homework she gave me was harder than the homework i got there and like i it was cool because we had field trips all the time we would just go places and learn things like in person and i loved it that's so cool man that's so cool that's what was a big selling point too for my son but i mean it was like i guess with not to get all political or whatever. Like, I mean, COVID stopped everything, right? For school. And then it was like yeah. zooming and all this. And then it was like, well, he's already home anyway. Like, let's, you know, anyway, I think it just became yeah. more of like a thing. I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, if you're home and you're already doing all the work, like, you know, stay home. <laughs> Here we go. Everything got its pros and cons for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. My level of education in terms of like, me, like learning and digesting things was like really high. Cause I, we've used a lot of the things we learned but also i would have liked to have like the the regular education in terms of my parents didn't choose what i learned you know or like mm. that social thing definitely really matters just having your group of friends but sure and that's so, what we're here to talk about today yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i hate you don't leave me the new record um so like with uh bike rides alone those were songs that you had just written yourself uh, just wrote recorded with your roommate and then just put it out as a record right 
And then with this, did you start from scratch or did you have songs that you were working on around that same time period that you're like, eh, I'm not going to put this on Bike Rides Alone. Is this something maybe I'll save or? I have one that I made it on like that, but the rest are from scratch for sure. I mean, man, I have hundreds of songs that I'm like, wonder if these will ever see the light of day. But with this one, it's like, I, I really believe in things feeling fresh. You know, um, I know it's fresh to the audience when you have a song that's two years old and no one's heard it. It's still fresh to the audience. But I think it's really important to keep it that same. When you're excited about something and you put it out and you're still excited about it, that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we we started the same from scratch and we had this writer uh, called Nick Bailey that I really had wanted to work with for a long time. He was actually flying in with, from Nashville to come work with me and um I was going through a lot personally at that time in my relationship mm-hmm. and like it was just so nice to like have therapy in these sessions with these guys and then just make the song like um it, it really the concept of the whole thing really came together so easily it felt effortless I mean it never feels effortless when you're being as vulnerable as you can in the room but in terms of how it happened like it was like a conversation like this. We would have a song and um, wow. yeah, I'm, it was, and it was my entire year last year. The year just flew by because of it. But I imagine yeah. that being hard to like be vulnerable like that in a room with people that you've never met. And if it's someone that has like credits to their name and they're flying out here and they're like, all right, we're going to, uh, Gavin, you ready to write a song? Yeah. Tell me your, you know, you know, whatever. Or like what you said in the beginning. I can't even remember what you said, but you're like, okay, let's, when I was joking, I said, yeah, we're going to write a Yeah, tell your trauma or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, is that hard? That must be so hard to do. Or yeah, is it I just mean, something you learn? I mean, that's definitely why you have sessions with other people and like, you know, you have to make sure you can catch a vibe because it's really difficult to write, a, to just be open with somebody you've never known. But it's, it's a muscle also, you know, you get used to doing that out here. Something I like to do before sessions is like you pull up, there's a coffee shop nearby and just take a walk to it, you know, really try and just have oftentimes the best songs do come from conversations. Luckily with Nick, him and I had FaceTime several times before we come out here. I knew that he was just a person on like a similar wavelength that I would love to spend time with just in general. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the raddest dude, bro. There's this restaurant down the street from the studio called Takaya, which is like this Mexican spot. And we both loved it. And so we would eat lunch there like every day and, um he's just the coolest guy bro and then the producer skylar moans like him and i had the session together initially and we called a major vibe so both of these people i i hang out with outside of music and so it made it that much easier for sure that's awesome yeah that's awesome and the the record's coming out uh when july. when's that july okay yeah, july 15th okay and you just did a tour didn't you just get back from tour yeah i was opening for tate for like the west coast states mm-hmm. tate I'm um, sorry. I say take that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. And what was that? How was that? Was that your first tour back from pre, I mean, from COVID obviously? Yeah. It was beautiful, man. It, was, it, it definitely revamped my, my love for it. Like with sports, you get a race every weekend, you know, you constantly get to feel that fire, which is, this is why I do it for the like mm-hmm. the live moments, man. When it's like for 30 minutes, I just forget all the stress of the world and you're just on a stage and you close your eyes and you sing and you feel connected with everybody in that room. It's something you can't recreate, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, it made me very excited. So yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, well, I can't wait to get the the whole record and I love, love, love what you're doing, man. And I appreciate you taking time to, to hang out with me. 
Yeah. Uh, today, dude, this has been great. Uh, so much. I have one more quick question, even though you've kind of already answered about six times throughout the interview, if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I probably did. Um, definitely, I mean, you can't ignore like the world of, of social media right now. I think don't be pressured to do things if you're not ready. I think um, there's really this thing about time, like, oh, I'm, I'm this old, I'm this young, like I need to, I need to go, 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 go. Some of my biggest regrets are, are um, letting go of things too soon. But there's a balance to that. I think my biggest advice would be don't be afraid to let things go, but make sure you're ready to let them go, you know? Um, mm-hmm. There's like a balance to that because there's people who have the greatest songs ever that they never let go of, and there's people who who just put out shit. And I think that like quality matters, you know? So if be as honest as you can, be true to yourself and um, don't be afraid to smile and show your face. 